Hello and welcome to Bible 365 with me, Hugh Hattrick. I do hope you're well and enjoying a fantastic day. And on today's reading, we're going to be reading from Esther, uh, chapters 1 through 3, and then into the New Testament, into Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. So let's get started with the Word of God into the first three chapters of Esther, starting with chapter 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At the time King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princess and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed his vast wealth of the kingdom and splendor of the glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant, in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, Abitha, Harmana, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar and Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matter of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Menes, Marsena and Memukin, the seven nobles of Persia and Media, who had special access to the king and were the highest in the kingdom. According to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of the king Xerxes, that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Mamukin replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who had heard about the Queen's conduct will respond to all the King's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the King, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also let the King give her royal position to someone else who is better than she, then, when the king's edict proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as Mamukin proposed. 
He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household, using his native tongue. Esther chapter 2 Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young women who please the king be queen instead of Vashti. The advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiachin, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadessa, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as, her own, as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Hegai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favour. Immediately he provided her with, a beauty, with beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants, selected from the king's palace, and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's turn came to go to the king's Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the woman, six months with oil of myrrh and, with, and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested, and Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she was his favour and approval, and she was sorry, she won his favour and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions, as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, 
became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. All this was recorded in the Book of the Annals in the presence of the king. Esther chapter 3. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Harman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed down and did reverence to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not down, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants that were in the king's gate said to Mordecai, why are you transgressing against the king's commandment? And it came to pass when they spoke daily to him that he hearkened not to them. And they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed, didn't bow down or give him any reverence, that was then Haman was full of wrath. But he thought to, sorry, this is in the old, <laughs> it's turned into the old, King James language again, it's normally NIV and it's quite difficult to try and make a translation of this, so I'll do my best from uh, Esther 3 chapter uh, verse 6. So he thought to lay scorn on Mordecai alone, for he had made known to him the people of Mordecai, where Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, which is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, that is, the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, and their laws are diverse from those of every people. Neither do they keep the king's laws, and therefore it is not the king's profit to suffer them. If it pleases the king, let it be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those that have the charge of the king's business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. And the king said to Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemed good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called in the first month, on the thirteenth day, and there was written according to all Haman commanded unto the king's satraps, and to the governors that were over every province, and to the princes of every people, to every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, in the name of the king Azurus was it written, and it was sealed with the king's ring. And letters went were sent by post into all the king's provinces, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for prey. A copy of the writing, that the decree should be given out in every province, was published unto all the peoples, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out forth in haste by, by the king's commandment, and the decree was given out in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Shushan was perplexed. There we are. Now we'll go into the New Testament. I do apologise that that last chapter was in the Old King's James. It's normally I do NIV, but ever so often the 
version I have of this tends to do a, an old King James version, so it's a little bit more difficult to understand and to, to read out, but hopefully that was okay. So now we'll go into chapter, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard about what had happened to him. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down on his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And there we are. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we just give you all our praise and all the love that we can muster. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done, for your incredible power and mercy, for your grace, Lord, that saves us every day. Help us, Lord, to pass on the incredible good news of the gospel. And Lord, help us to build relationships at these times, even when many of us are stuck indoors and Lord, we pray for all those who are on their own, who are desperate, Lord, to have friends, who are desperate, Lord, just to be able to talk and have a social life at these times when so many are stuck in because of COVID. Lord, we pray that this horrendous disease of COVID would be lifted across the globe. Lord, whether it's through vaccine or through incredible miraculous healing by your Holy Spirit and by your hand of love, we pray that this epidemic would go and that we could start afresh Lord, better than before. We pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, for those who have lost their jobs, that, Lord, a new economy that is better than before can come because of this, Lord. And not one, Lord, that is controlled by the state, but, Lord, one that is free, the one that has the free market at its centre. Lord, we pray for real opportunities, Lord, to come back to the people and proper justice, Lord, that you have called so that fairness and the ways of good and law-abiding citizens are, are what is involved in our countries and across the globe. We pray for fairness, Lord, and truth 
to be at the heart of everything that we are. Help us, Lord, to tell your truth, which is the truth and the life and the way of your incredible gospel. In your almighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you very much for joining with me today on day 172 of the programme. It's a very interesting reading that we've had today. And it was, in some ways, it's quite, it's hard going and it's building up to when the Jews are again going to be under major persecution in the Old Testament there. So I look forward to reading the next part and getting that out to you over the next few days. So have a wonderful day. May God bless you and take care. Bye just now. <laughs>